How many of y'all are grateful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Come on. You ready? So, so here, here's how I want to start. I want you to think about this just for a moment. Just think about if you and I had an opportunity to go to lunch, it was you and I, and we sat down, and, and I asked you this question. I just said, I said, so tell me, how's the last 12 months been going for you? And I know immediately you think, well, it's faster, Steve. I, you know, I want to put my best foot forward. No, once we got past that, and, and I just said, just, just be honest. T- tell me how it's going in your relationships. For those of you that are married, maybe with your spouse or, or with, a, with a child, regardless of what age. How, how's it going? As a matter of fact, I had a conversation with a guy. He goes, man, his pastor's like, everything was going well for like three months. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know if like I said something wrong or if she heard it wrong. I'm not sure kind of where the point was, but it was like just one week. It was like, it was like, it was a real bad week. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe, maybe it's with kind of your thoughts and mental health where, where at times there was a, a despondency, but it's like it's gone up to another level and it's, and it's settled into kind of a, kind of a, a darkness. It's, you're really grappling with. Maybe you're prone to a little bit of, I don't know, nervousness at times, but, but this last 12 months, you feel like there's been situations that you've triggered you where it's not just kind of concern and nervousness, but it's, it's really become like an anxiety. Where, where, where are you? If you had a peace level, kind of your peace level, joy level, love level, kind of where would that barometer be at? In your life. The truth is, if we're really honest, all of us at some level have experienced something on a professional level, personal level, in your mind, in your emotions, all of us. Why? Because we're human beings. And and the reality is, is that we experience, we experience pain. I know what some of you guys think of Pastor Steve. Like, isn't this about where you're talking about the resurrection of Christ? Yes, but the reality is, is that, is that there's a good Friday before the resurrection. And for all of us, we, we, we have a very cute awareness that there are moments of pain in our life where the truth is, it does feel dark. Now, I got good news for you. For those of you that walk with Jesus, let me just say this. There is a good Friday. There is painful moments, but there, there really is. This is not just like a trite statement. This isn't just a little cute thing to say. There really is a brighter day to come. In other words, when you're going through, everybody say going through. Here's the cool thing about going through. The point of going through is you actually don't stay in that place, but you actually move through it. How many are grateful that there is a brighter day in God for believers? There really is a brighter day. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk to you about three things about the resurrection. I'm not going to talk long. I know many of you have family and friends and, you know, breakfast and lunch and brunch and all, all those different things. But, but I want to take just a moment and I want to talk about the power of the resurrection. Number one, if there is no resurrection, there is no light. Matthew chapter 27 Verse 45, let me give you a little bit of context. I want to set the stage. This is Good Friday. 
The Bible says in verse 45, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Interesting when you read these parts in the Bible, I think it's important to, to note this. There was darkness over all the land. Think about that. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when, when they heard that, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. He's the guy in the Old Testament. He's, he's calling out for him. And then immediately one of them ran and, and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine. And, and they put it on a reed and, they, and they, they gave it to him and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. I think it's important as we understand the context of this. There, there is a difference in the Bible, in Bible times related to time in a day and how they evaluated a day versus how we do today. So for us, for example, tonight at 11.59 it's still Sunday. But at 12 o'clock midnight, for us, 12 a.m. begins a new day. In Bible times, it's not like that. In the time of Christ, a day actually didn't begin at 12 midnight. A day began at sunrise. So when the Bible says, from the sixth hour of the day, we, we know this. We know contextually, historically, that Jesus actually was on the cross for Six hours. So for us, he was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. In Bible times, it was the third hour of the day. Does that make sense? So from the third hour of the day to the sixth hour of the day, for us, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., there was light. But something shifted at the sixth hour of the day, 12 p.m. Something shifted. What was the shift? The Bible says that actually for three hours, not for 30 minutes, but for three hours, the Bible says darkness. Some translations say deep darkness cover the whole earth. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Darkness covered the earth. Question is why, why was there widespread darkness over the earth? Well, we know on Good Friday, of course, we call it Good Friday, but the reality is it wasn't for Jesus. It was, a, it was a brutal day. Whether the night before when he is sold for 30 pieces of silver in the Garden of Gethsemane to, to again, standing behind, well, he stood before a rigged trial, Caiaphas, and he's accused of being a criminal. For what? For blasphemy, for, for doing things on the Sabbath, a number of things. It wasn't. It wasn't a good day for him. Of course, we know in the Friday morning where, where there's one last chance. Maybe Jesus is going to be set free. And, and the whole crowd yells out to, to free a criminal, but not Jesus. And then the cross. The cross is put on his back, and he carries it up and falls down. And then ultimately, 
They, they, they nail him to the cross and it's, it's, it's raised up. And, 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 and we've seen the images, whether you've seen the movie. I remember, by the way, I remember as a young boy, distinctly as a young boy in the 70s, I, I remember as a, just crying seeing the movie Jesus of Nazareth. And I remember thinking, oh, wow. And the, of course, when they put the crown of thorns on his head and the blood that would come down, it was just so excruciating. It really moved me as a young boy. Whether it was the whipping, whether it was the crowns, where all the above, Jesus is raised up. And, but there's a, there's a shift that takes place where, where 12 p.m. for us, the sixth hour of the day in Bible times, darkness comes. I, I believe it's at that moment where the sin of the world, by the way, my sin and your sin. Paul talks about that. Paul, Paul talks about that, that, that God the Father took the righteousness that was on Jesus Christ and, and put that on us and took our sin and put it on Christ. It was called the great exchange. And it was at that moment at 12 p.m. for us, the sixth hour of the day, where the Bible says that darkness came. And I believe there's that moment where God the Father turns his face away from the sin that's on his son. And Jesus says those words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He, he, was, he, was, he was bearing my sin and yours. All the things we've done, will do, have done. Wow. The scripture goes on in Matthew 28. I, 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 was, I was thinking about before I read this, I was thinking about darkness and I was thinking about the times in, in, in my life when, and we've all been there. I, I know I have. Let me just say it that way. I know I have. The thing about darkness is darkness is, it's, 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 it's so tough to see the next step, isn't it? it? It's so tough to see the, it's like you're, well, why? Because it's dark. And I'll say that again. May, may, maybe you walked in here, whatever location you're at. Maybe you walked in or and, and, and you feel like you were invited to church because a friend invited you to church. And you feel like, I'm, I'm going to give it one last chance I, because, of, because of darkness. Dark, darkness has a, has a way of talking to us. Doesn't that make sense? Telling us all kind of things about what we're not, what we can't, we won't ever. And darkness, it's really hard. I remember two times as a pastor where I literally didn't know what to do. One was the day after Katrina. The one, the second was, was right when COVID began. I, I literally, I remember people come and say, you know, because it's the pastor, you always have to know what's next. I didn't know. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. All I knew, all I knew is I got to get out of bed and I, and I got to, I've got to just take a step forward on a personal level. As a family, we faced really intense things. All I know is I got, I got to get out of bed, and I, and I got it's so dark, and I can't really see, but I, I've got to, I got to just take a step forward. Maybe that's where you are. Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse one. It says, "Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began at dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb." And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord. This is powerful. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the tomb, the stone from the door and sat on. I remember 
distinctly a guy at Bible school. He goes, I remember in class one day, he goes, he goes, man, I, I, I'd love to see an angel. I said, I'm not sure about that. I know those of you that are married, you may call your husband or wife angel. They're really not. I mean, they are, but they're not. Okay, can I say that? According to the Bible. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because when you see an angel in the Bible, can I tell you something? It's usually this response right here. Here it is. His countenance, the angel, was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and they became like dead men. I mean, when when you encounter like a supernatural being, it's a big deal. So it's happening right here. The angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. It's always the response. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is, come on, everybody say it, risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. I love this scene. It's almost like God flips the light switch on. There's darkness There's deep darkness and then a light switch. By the way, what is stronger? Think about it for a moment. If this, whatever location you're at right now, if if this room was completely dark, what's stronger? Think about it just for a moment. What's stronger, light or darkness? If a light goes on, the light actually expels the darkness. It's the same thing in the natural realm. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. In other words, Light is stronger than darkness. Oh, but when you're in the darkness, it's so hard to see. But when you're in the light, when you have the light, his name is Jesus. John chapter 8 verse 12 says, I'm the light of the world. When you walk with Christ, it's, it's, even when you're in dark times, there's, there's something about when you're with Christ, he, he helped you navigate. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I, uh, my, my, my wife and I, we walk at nighttime and or kind of, you know, as I get, get home, maybe five, six, seven, and, and Depending upon daylight savings time, and I don't know when they're going to figure that out. I was like, are we going to have it? Are we not having it? I'm not sure. Nobody knows. Go on the internet. They are clueless. No, I'm serious. I try to figure out, so are we getting the spring deal? Is it the fallback? What's going to happen? More light. They don't know. We don't know. Nobody really knows. And we know Congress doesn't know. But anyway, sorry, that was a political statement, but it was true. But anyway, don't, I'm sorry. Let's back it up. Let's get back to the Bible. So we were, we're, we're, we're walking. It's kind of duskish, if I could say that. And I usually bring a, I usually bring a, a flashlight. And for whatever reason, I didn't. And, it, and we, we live in a neighborhood that's like really dark. And so we're walking, and, and I want to qualify. I spent a lot of time in the woods, okay? So figure that out. So a lot of times, you know, a lot of people don't like hunting. Sorry, they left the church because I talk about it all the time. Anyway, so, 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 so I'm walking, and all of a sudden, I see this thing, and it's like a snake. And so I go, ah, and I scream. My wife goes, what are you screaming? You sound like Annalise. Let's qualify. Annalise is my 13-year-old daughter. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a snake. And I mean, the thing was just huge. So my wife goes to pick it up. She goes, 
no, it's not. And she, I'm like, don't do that. She picks it up. I'm like, and so it's a stick. I thought it was a snake. She goes, you need a, you need a man up. But anyway, <laughs> man, that really hurt my ego. I could be a little fragile. <laughs> and the point is two things. Number one, you should always walk with a flashlight. But here's the spiritual point. The spiritual point is this. Sometimes when we're in the dark, things that appear to us as one thing, it's really not what it is. The problem is it's the dark. It's so hard to see in the dark. This morning was, it was, there was a cosmic shift, if I can say it that way, where it was dark, and now all of a sudden, the lights came on. By the way, maybe, maybe down, sitting down for lunch, maybe you'd say, Pastor, you know what? I had this big dream in my heart, these hopes and these expectations, but my dream has died, and it seems so dark. This is not to sound trite. It's biblical, and it's real. I'm so grateful that light comes in the morning. I'm so grateful. Number two, number one, if there's no resurrection, there's no light. And number two, if there's no resurrection, there's no life. Let me start out by saying this. I, I, I recognize that on Easter weekend, again, we have lots of people, lots of guests, um, all of our locations and people watching online as well. And, and I recognize as a pastor, there's people that are different points of their faith journey. I recognize that. Some people are new in their faith journey. Some people have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some of you, which were really honored, some of you have never begun that faith journey. Matter of fact, we are so honored every week where people come that are, quote, checking out Christianity. And, and I want to I hear about this. And we, aren't we grateful, Church King, when people are coming to check out whether or not Jesus? Very grateful. Every week, we know we have lots of people, and you are an honored guest here, and I mean that. So I'm going to say a statement. It's going to sound very radical, but it's very biblical, okay? Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, here's the statement. You ready? Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He actually came to make dead people alive. There's a big difference. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? The Bible is so clear that before we come to Christ, oh, yeah, we're physically living, but spiritually. We're talking spiritually. The spiritual side of who you are, the Bible actually says it's dead. John chapter 5, verse 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my words, this is the words of Jesus, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting what? Say it, life. And by the way, life biblically has two dimensions, quantitatively and qualitatively. Everlasting life that lasts for eternity and everlasting life that is present reality. Life. You ever have somebody say, man, they've got the life. I say this respectfully. They may have external success, but until they have Christ, they don't have the life. 
because it's in Christ. The Bible says he's come to give us life. Watch this. Here it is. Don't miss this. In him who sent me has everlasting life. Most assuredly, I say, I say, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Watch this. But it's passed from what? Say it. Death to what? Life. That's not, that's not talking about physically speaking. It's spiritually speaking. You've actually passed from death to life. What does that mean? Before we come to Christ, the spiritual side of who we are. Oh, we are physically alive, but spiritually, we're dead. And I know that's why. It's like, it's like before you come to Christ, it's why it doesn't really make sense. It's like the cross, the resurrection, yeah, Christianity, help the poor, you know, live the golden rules. What is that all kind of about? I mean, we want to help people, but because but, 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 the, re- the reason is, is because spiritually, you don't have eyes to see before you come to Christ. It doesn't make sense. In other words, your ability to deduce correctly, it's like spiritually, one plus one equals three spiritually. The cross, the Bible, but when you trust Jesus as your Savior, your eyes are open. By the way, and now you can see, even in the dark. Paul the Apostle in the book of Romans says is that even when we were sinners, spiritually dead. Christ died for us. I, I want to say this to you. Maybe, again, you're a seeker. You, you don't know Christ, and we're honored you're here. But, but the reason why, again, life was ne- you were never designed by God to live life independently from him. Oh, you may accomplish things and, and, and do, do, do externally nice things, but internally, your insides were designed to live and pulsate from God's very life. There's a scripture that Jesus, Jesus actually said this in the book of John, so powerful. John chapter 14, here's what he said. He said, I am the way. Everybody say, the way. And then he says, so I'm the way. And then Jesus said, I am the truth. A lot of discussion about truth in our culture. By the way, Pilate asked that question. What is truth? Truth. I'd like to posit we'll never know truth apart from Christ. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and then the next one. Here it is. I am the what? Say it. Life. And then he adds a caveat. No one comes to the Father except through me. Boy, lots of discussion in our culture about that. Wait, Steve, are you, are you time out. Is that Jesus who said that? I thought we're all kind of around. Humanity is surrounding the circumference of this great mountain. And we're all attempting to get to the top of the mountain to meet God. And this person does it through this religion and this religion. And they do it kind of through their own thing and their own thing. And, and now you're saying that, that, that Jesus is saying that there's only one way. Everyone say one way. There is only one way, and here's the reason why. Because we don't climb the mountain of God in our own strength. We can't save ourselves. Christianity is not a, a 
personal moral renovation project where you kind of pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. No, we're actually dead. A dead person can't make themselves come back to life. Only Christ can do that. In other words, in other words, I remember when I was invited to a Bible study. I was at Tulane University and two girls invited me to a Bible study. And, and it was a college Bible study. And I remember in there, I wasn't a Christian. And I, 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 had, I knew God was up there. Can I say it that way? But I had never trusted Christ as my Savior. And I remember when these two girls brought me and then we sat and I kind of walked in there. I thought, oh my gosh, this is kind of hokey and these people and oh, it's Jesus people. You know, it's like, hey, Steve. I'm like, this is kind of, and I remember, and I remember there were two thoughts that I had. One is that I had sinned too much that God couldn't forgive me anyway. And the other one is that I had to change and then come to God. Let me help everybody. Number one, there's ne- you've never committed a sin that's too great that the blood of Christ can't forgive you. And number two, you don't change first, then come to God. You come to God and he changes you. He's the one that changes you. Number one, if there's no resurrection, there's no light. The light switch came on. The resurrection. Number two, if there's no resurrection, there's no life. Let me give you the final thing. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope. It's interesting how there is something that many people wear around their neck. I have and I own a beautiful piece like so many people that we wear it's a piece of jewelry around our neck and it's a cross. So some of you, beautiful crosses, I'll see you walk out of church sometime, I'm like, that's just, it's beautiful. I wonder, I wonder how many people, I wonder how many people really realize what they're wearing around their neck. In Bible times, the cross, think about this. That's how people were, that's how criminals were executed. Now, why am I telling you this? There's a lot of discussion about how somebody, quote, can be made right with God. The reality is, is that there's a Good Friday, and it's good for us because when Good Friday took place, something happened. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, every single drop of his blood, it was important. I'm going to tell you why it was important. The book of Hebrews says it this way. I love it. Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. In other words, I can come into the presence of God. Pastor, what do I need to, what do, I need to do to come into the presence of God? Do I just, am I just kind to people? That's good to be kind, but being kind to people doesn't make you right with God. How do I get right with God? Well, according to the Bible, we enter into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, we can't save ourselves. We are saved by his blood, by his work. Good Friday is good for us because he did for us on Good Friday what we couldn't do for ourselves. How many are grateful for the blood of Christ? And by the way, by the way, listen, the blood of Christ, it gives you a fresh start. It gives you a new beginning. It cleans your conscience. Mankind goes to highly sophisticated ways to try to 
dull in their conscience. Why not just be cleansed? The cross, Good Friday, is only half the gospel, though. It's the first part. The death, the life, and the death of Christ. But then there's the burial and something to come. I'll close with this scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is the resurrection important? Why? Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope. Without the resurrection, there's no hope. Without the resurrection, there is no brighter day. Without the resurrection, there is no light coming on. But we receive new birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus one time, people are born once from water from their mother's womb. But when you trust Christ, you're born from above. There's a new birth that comes. You spiritually come alive on the inside. Why? Because of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You have a new birth. A new birth. The life of God on the inside. Christianity is not just being forgiven of your sins, but you are born again and you're given the Holy Spirit. You're, you, listen, he said this, through the living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, when the hand of God reached down there, Paul said it this way. The same spirit. Please don't miss this. Christianity is not, I'm forgiven now. I just grit my teeth and hope I go to heaven. No, 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 no. You're forgiven, yes, if you trust Christ as your Savior. But it's more than, Christianity is much more than just forgiven of your sin. The same spirit. Everyone say same spirit. Paul said this, Romans chapter 8, the same spirit, the same spirit. That resurrection morning, can I tell you, the same, Christ didn't raise himself. The same spirit, the Holy Spirit, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you as a Christian believer and will quicken your mortal body. How many are grateful for resurrection power on the inside of us? Man, that's good news. That's good news. Let me tell you what that means. That means, let me tell you, that means the resurrection is the greatest comeback story. God's got a comeback for you. <laughs> Maybe you feel like you're down for the count. You feel like you're out. You feel like, let me tell you, the whole world thought he was down for the count. He was out. But the same spirit, everyone say same spirit. The same spirit will come into your dream. The same spirit can come into those broken relationships. The same spirit can come into your mental health. The same spirit comes into your soul. The same spirit will cut you off from shame from your past. Give you a new day. A better day. A better tomorrow. I'm grateful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How about you? I'm so grateful for that. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. All of our locations. I sense the Holy Spirit right now. I've literally got one more minute. I'm going to ask all the campus pastors to come on stage I'm going to give it back to you in just a moment. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, if you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God, I, I want to pray for you. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand and come forward. But right where you are, with everyone seated, this is so important. I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now, Jesus, maybe you've said this. You said, I've never really trusted Christ. Let me just be honest. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Being a member of a church, as good as that is, that doesn't save you. I'll tell you what I can do. I can point to Jesus. I say, trust in the person of Christ. 
The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's your Savior. So, question is this. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you been forgiven of your sin? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God with every head bowed and every eye closed? To say, Pastor, pray for me. The count of three. I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Pastor Steve, I need Christ. If that's you. One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can see. God bless you, sir. God bless you, honey. God bless you here. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you and you as well. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, son. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you and you as well. Up top, God bless you. I see you way up there. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God brought you here today because he loves you and he cares. God's not mad at you. He cares about you. He loves you. God, I see your hand. God bless you as well. It's awesome. Church family, with every head bowed and eyes closed, can we just pray with those that are trusting Christ right now? This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. And I don't want us to pray it together with them as a church family. Can we do that? Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this, say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this, say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Wow, what a powerful time together today. And listen, we are honored that you joined us for our Easter services, but we also wanna take just a moment to recognize those of you who are making the decision right now to give your life to Jesus. And we are just so excited. We wanna congratulate you and celebrate you because we believe that this is a pivotal moment. This is a life-altering moment. We believe that like the Bible says, today you are made a new creation. And we would love as your church family to rally around you and walk with you as you begin this brand new life with Christ. Yes. And if you are making that decision, I want to encourage you to text the word decision to the numbers 822-822. And our team would love to follow up with you and provide you with any resources that you need as you start this new journey of following Christ. Well, guys, that wraps up our time together. Again, we just want to say thank you for joining us for Easter at Church of the King. It's been such an amazing time together. And listen, we would love to invite you to come join us next week. We have church every single weekend, and we would be honored if you'd be here as we kick off a brand new series all about how to have healthy relationships. And Summer, I don't know about you, but I think we could all benefit from that a little bit. So we'd love it if you would be there with us. It's gonna be such an amazing time, but either way, we love you. We'll see you soon.